so excited welcome everyone to journey doses with ash and ty we got ash and ty here today we're both here we're both here and we are um in the presence in the virtual presence of one our our very favorite people to walk this earth zayna although i just call you zayna (laughs) can you say your full name You know, it's funny. I, I, my last name, uh, so my last name is Al Khaldi. So Zain Al Khaldi, it's a Palestinian last name, but I really just identify as Zaina, to be quite oh. honest. So even as a teacher, often they like to use your last name, but I always use my first name. So, well, then I don't feel as silly about it. Um, <laughs> in fact, for a little while, I actually thought your last name was Bliss because of your social accounts. Anyways, um, Zaina, she is a wonder to behold. She had I've worked with her uh, as a her being a coach and a guide um, through some courses that she has created and also one on one. And we met her when Tyler and I went to Costa Rica to Soltara to work with ayahuasca and Zaina was um, at Soltara facility uh, providing her yoga guidance and um, that's how we met her (laughs) and Zaina and one of our good friends connected they are now in partnership and that is how we've been continued to be blessed by her existence Um, so really excited to have you on. Hi. <laughs> Hi. And I'm and I'm blessed by your presence. So it's reciprocal, very much so. So hey. I just wanted to echo that back. So you're a teacher, you're a yoga guide, you're a coach. How do you self-identify? Like if you were to introduce yourself and whatever you feel is most relevant, what what comes up for you? I always like to start with that general question to really see what sits, whatever comes up for you. I'm going to let out my woo-woo yogi uh, out today. And I would say like, I'm an earthling, first of all. Um, I am, uh, I'm a woman. Um, Ooh, and uh, I, I, I feel like a teacher. I feel like I've, um, I I feel like a guide. I feel like I have something to share. I think we all feel that way. I think it's a very, um, so, but I do enjoy teaching. I'm also a a primary school teacher. So I do enjoy teaching. My mom is a teacher. Um, So I've always enjoyed that element. I've taught when I was in yoga, I taught yoga first. So a teacher, uh, an earthling, I guess that's kind of me. <laughs> Do you believe in reincarnation, past past soul lives? 
I believe in karma for sure, like a like a karma that perpetuates on. And you know, if there's a an awareness of a certain energetic karma, you know, you can work on releasing that. So, do I believe in incarnation? So, I would say I believe in it. But uh, have I experienced like oh, like I'm an old soul? No, I think I've met people who feel like they've walked this earth a few times, like sometimes you meet babies and you're like, man, that does not look like a baby. That looks like he's been here before. He's already got a certain look or, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever had that. So, uh, but yeah, I do believe there's a karma. So what do you think is your karma? What a question. Yeah. What a question. (laughs) Um, interestingly so you know when you ask me the question of what like I identify I identify as a woman because I really feel like I've uh, you know there's a sometimes if we can look at our lives and see what the pattern is you can you know you know I, I mean you can start to you can see the pattern you can start to see well maybe that's a karma that I'm here to break and my karma today as a 45 year old woman I feel like it's has to do with this you know connection with our sensual and sexual nature you know like um I've been in the realm of whatever you want to call it, sensuality, sexuality, since the age of um, seven-ish, eight-ish. And so that that's really the karma that I'm here. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to, it's okay not to let it taint your life. And on the contrary, for me, what was really empowering for me is looking back at experiences that I typically experienced as shameful and hard and just understand that they prepare you for something. And in a way, it lessens the stinge of what something was. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So sounds like, I mean, this is a leading question because I obviously know you well, but I don't mm-hmm. want to say anything that you don't want to say. But from what I'm hearing you say in this moment, um, some experiences that you you could choose to have shame over if you want has actually led you into um, the purpose and the passion of what you share in your teaching and your guidance in your yoga practice today and you've mentioned sensuality and sexuality which are key hot words for me with with how I want to circle around this conversation because in personally going through the first couple segments of your intimate course we talk a lot about sensuality versus sexuality and really defining the difference understanding sort of like the cultural implications, how, how uh, historically, how we understand these terms have been kind of distorted. Um, And so I definitely want to talk a lot about that. So I want to ask questions first around sensuality. When you look at your life experiences, what was it that you experienced that helped you understand 
more of what sensuality really is? And then can you also define in your words, what, what would you say sensuality is? Okay. So I'll, I, I want to reveal a little bit about myself to answer that question. Yes, please. Because to really answer that question, you know, the most I learned about sensuality was when I was a dancer, working with the girls, watching the girls dance on stage and watching all of these expressions with our bodies. That's really when I expanded my palette and was able just to appreciate the sense of watching and admiring and that experience uh, you know you've done a lot with me so this is going to sound repetitive for you but uh, sensuality and sexuality you know I am learning more and more have, have been linked together and sexuality is a realm that is often governed by other entities which puts it in a container and creates rules around it rules that then members of the society can judge you upon not can but we allow others and that becomes around so it, it's a very it becomes a very restrictive realm there's you know you can't do this you can do that and sensuality can sometimes lead to a sexual act for sure it, you know being with the senses could lead to a sexual act but sensuality is not only linked to sexuality. It's a very small percentage, actually, because there's so much more to it. So, But because through sensuality, sometimes there's the option of that turning into a sexual act. Oh, well, we've lumped them together. So what happens when we've lumped that together is that as well, our senses are now under control, not just our sexual desires are under control, monogamous relationship, you can't be in that kind of relationship, you know, now even our senses, the way I enjoy a cup of tea, the way I enjoy preparing a meal, all of that, in a way has been stripped away from us. And, and, and so by creating busyness, so you can't even enjoy preparing a meal, I'm keeping it to the basic simples, things that we do on a daily basis. So when you link those two energies together and create rules around them, you've, you've, you've created a big distance between humans and their innate nature. And because now we have this really big repressed realm because we receive information through our senses and a part of that is restricted, uh, we start to compensate in other ways, even in thinking patterns. So, um, that's how these two terms for me are super linked together. And when you learn to detach them, you can really bathe in a pool of sensuality without it ever, without ever feeling the pressure that this has to lead to that. And uh, I think that is quite freeing. And um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I think Absolutely. I did. No, yeah. you definitely did. You circled yeah. around sensuality with everything. And I wanted to, um, obviously, again, I worked with you. So there in the coursework there, when we were talking about sensuality, you talked about your experience with a lemon and whether you want to use the lemon as an example, or if you want to use something in recent 
experiences. I would love if you could elaborate more on a non-sexual example of sensuality. Mm. Um, And so maybe you could either talk us through this lemon experience that I'm familiar with or pick something fresh if you would like. And, and really, if you would be willing to kind of take us through that experience for you. You know, um, the lemon one was such a juicy one. I mean, if you just think of a lemon, so right now, like, let's just think of a lemon. It's super juicy and like, oh my God, I'm just like salivating, thinking about a lemon and a fresh one, right? Like, and you've just cut it and you can, you can smell the, 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 the sourness of it without even putting it in your mouth. So, I mean, and I haven't even gone into what, when I talked about that lemon, I had intentionally invited the experience. I was like, I want to be with my senses. So I invited my sense of sight, my sense of smell, my sense of touch, my sense of taste. And I'm like, come to the party, you know, and my, uh, and touch. And, you know, as I cut the lemon and I, I wanted to, with the tip of a knife, I wanted to get all the pits out, you know, And I took my time and I took the tip of that knife and I took the first pit out and I was like, wow, you know, when a baby comes out of your, out of the vagina, there's a squirt. I've seen a live birth before. So there's a where, and it was just like that. It was like a, and I was like, wow. And then I went deeper and there was like this one pit that was like really stubborn. And I was like, oh, thinking about like the black sheep in the family or something you can create so much. There's so much of our imagination that is also linked to our senses. You know, you remember that in cleaning the, in cleaning my space, how is that a sensual experience? For example, in, in preparing my bed, I like my bed to be made at night. When I come, I like my bed to be made. Why? Because I want to be in something fresh. I like to sleep naked. I want my body on something fresh. I want, we sit on it during the day, but there's a invitation of the senses, right? It smells good. It feels fresh. So, I mean, you can invite your sensual experiences, I think, in anything because it's, um, yeah, for me, it's in everything. It's not just in preparing food, you know, it's uh, taking a walk outside and being really aware of the scents and the sounds and the beautiful colors, the beautiful canvas, which we live in, which is life, you know, we're, we, you know, we're looking for art, we live in a piece of art. And when we invite the senses, you know, you, you really start to be in this canvas of just this constant sensual experience, which is sometimes painful as well, you know? So, because when you're connected with your sensuality, I think it also deepens your connection to your emotions and your, because so many stories surface also with our senses. Like when you have this experience with the lemon, or remember the one I said with the chard and cutting it and linking birth with death and, there's so much insight that comes when we tune in, you know? And to kind of elaborate and, and reframe or shift the perspective on what you're also offering, I, you know, there's a lot of what you're saying that we can gain when we 
intentionally invite sensuality into our day-to-day what could be seen as a mundane experience but from the opposite is is there anything in your opinion that that we are lacking from a human experience when we are detached from our sensuality when we don't intentionally bring sensuality in is there anything that we lack as humans to kind of answer that question but from a different lens I mean, sensuality um, demands the experience of slowing down, you know? Um, So sensuality demands the experience of slowing down, slowing down your senses so that you can tune in. So looking at it from, sorry, uh, Ashley, can you just ask that one more time? Yeah, just looking at it from a different lens. So, you know, we've talked about what we can gain if we're intentionally bring sensuality into our experience, but what might we lack if we do not, if we're not consciously attached to our sensuality or aware of our sensuality? What, what, What do we lack? Well, you, in my opinion, the only thing that really comes up is like you lack your innate intelligences, you know, you, you lack that innate conversation with source. I mean, I sound woo woo. I did say I'm going to bring it on today, but mm-hmm. you do, you, you know, when you, the, 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 the fall, the, the, you know, the, the, the pay is that when you are detached from your sensual sensual life experience you're you there's a detachment from the innate intelligences you're not spending enough time with these this this beautiful thing that is that takes care of itself and receives information you're not spending enough time with it to understand its intelligences so i think you know that's in not fostering a relationship with your sensual experience of life it's very hard to get connected to your to source to to what's innately inside of you and there's another fly on the thing (laughs) i don't want to keep going tyler do you have anything you yeah i mean i'll just reflect back a little bit about what i'm hearing um to me, it sounds like from your perspective and something that I also agree with that um, to live richly with a lot of potency, it might best benefit us to be attuned to our, our senses, our feelings, the capabilities that we have within this body um, to, to feel. And that makes things rich. Um, And if, we lack that then we lack the richness of this life experience i couldn't have said it better i think you said it so beautifully it, 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 i mean i i think you said it you summated it so beautifully yeah i do so mm. and uh, to re, you know when we numb out so much that we don't want to feel all these sensations, because you know, when you get in tuned, you feel both magnitudes, right? And some people don't want to feel all that because we don't know what to do with it, but there's always tools. I just wanted to say that. So, yeah. Yeah. It could be really hard for people to feel, especially if you spent a long time being numb as a lot of people do. Um, I'd say it's just understanding feelings is 
harder than understanding logistical things, right? Like you're not reading about feelings in a book and understanding them. You're feeling them and then deciding what they mean to you. And and why it's so challenging is because there's so many unconscious stories that, you know, you really got to dig, 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 dig. So absolutely. Yeah. And I have to, so, so I have to be honest, when I was working through your course and you basically posed the question to the group about, you know, what do we believe is the difference between sensuality and sexuality? I hadn't really taken any time to contemplate that prior. And so I was pretty stumped. Now I feel like I, it, now I feel like it's so clear. Like you look at the word sensuality and it's truly about the senses, but this distortion that we've already referenced a few minutes ago in the conversation of the distortion of how sensuality and sexuality gets sort of overlapped and gets sort of viewed as the same um, in, in some ways. So when I was posed with that question, I was very much felt unable to answer it. And so when we don't feel like we have an answer for what sensuality is, then I feel like that's kind of one of the the first rocks to fall in an avalanche in becoming numb. Like if we don't even understand what sensuality is, being in tune with your senses, um, then, then, yeah, I can see how we could be numb and unaware. So um, for the listeners, I think a good question to contemplate to self is what is your personal distinction between your sensual and your sexual nature? right? Because we all have a sensual and sexual nature. So understand, like, where do you express your sexual nature? Like, yeah, you express it sexually, but where else do you see that fiery part of yourself? And where do you express your sensual energy? Because I remember in our container, a lot of women had difficulty identifying what is their sensual energy? So I good question for the listeners, whether male or female, because these energies are present in both, is asking the question of what is the distinction? What is my personal distinction? Because it's it is we can I can talk about my experience, you can talk about yours, Tyler can talk about his. And through discussing it with each other, we expand our understanding of what sensual and sexual energy is, but always defer back to in, the individual to define that for themselves and and like check with yourself if it's hard for you to define that and spend time in really sifting through why is it hard for me to define what is my sensual and sexual nature once you make the distinction start identifying how do you express that in your life I find that exercise is really helpful could right. you give an example by answering for yourself? So if you were to define what your sensual nature is, what would you say for yourself? I'd say my sensual nature is in how I, I really like to prepare food. I like to touch it. I like to wash it. I like to cut it. I like to assemble it. I like, there's something about that that is quite, um, um, feels very sensual. I'm really with my senses in that experience. Um, another sensual experience for me, you know, Ashley, I find it in everything when I'm folding laundry, you know, like the warmth of the clothes. And as I put them nicely, neatly, how I touch them and fold them, I try to make 
my experience of just even, you know, taking care of my home, a pleasurable experience and not a chore that I have to do. It's more like it's a cleansing of my soul. So I quite enjoy that. So, um, so that's my sensual nature. What are some of my sexual kind of uh, what I feel is like my fire uh, in bed, if I may, if I may say so boldly. And um, I would say yes. And um, I'm a go getter, you know, like I, 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 I play small sometimes, but when I got something I want to do, I've always fucking done it. So for me, that's a very, very, a very sexual kind of drive. You drive where, you know, so that's how I identify when I stand up for myself, you know, um, those are, that's how I identify with that energy within myself. So I wonder how you, are you learning to identify these elements for you, but I won't put you on the spot just yet. (laughs) You want to share that? Uh, no, you can go ahead. I just wanted to speak a little bit to a thought that I had about um, culture in general right now. I feel like there's no room for nuance and everybody wants objectivity, essentially. Like it's cut and dry. Sexuality is the act of genitals to genitals or mouth to genitals or whatever it is. And that is sexuality. But sensuality is super subjective as you've explained, is all about what we, what we perceive in our senses. And if there is a, an open conversation to it or subjectivity to it, then maybe it's not acceptable in our culture because that's, that's, it's not def- as definable. Uh, that's my projection onto like culture bringing um, or essentially approaching each of those two things. And maybe you agree or maybe you disagree. Uh, I'm just sitting with it to, you know, um, you know, like um, you're saying that sexuality is a very objective thing and sensuality is a very subjective thing. I'm, I'm projecting onto our society culture Mm. in what I feel like I see as why sensuality is a hard conversation to have and more confusing versus Mm. sexuality being more understandable because uh, it's more objectively uh, understood as what I described earlier with genitals or not. Mm, you know, I, 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 I see some of what you're saying and what's coming to me in this moment is, you know, sexuality has become objective because um, we've restricted it so much, right? So to have such a common experience, right? We've created the man and wife family get together, you know, that's, we've created a a story around also what is acceptable sexually, right? Because not many people uh, in in the, like, uh, in the sexual realm as well, there is very much subjective experience of what's okay and what's not okay. And you know what I mean? So, um, but, you know, what came to me, as you were saying, Tyler, is that it's become such an objective experience. Sexuality has become such an objective experience because we've restricted it so much. And sensuality has become also in a way an objective experience in the sense that people don't have it. (laughs) 
it's been restricted. They don't even know that it's around to be discovered on its own. Sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes all it takes is an aha moment to bring you back in touch with, you know, like sharing the lemon experience. I mean, it takes something like that for like, oh, yes. And then you reflect back on yourself and be like, you know, I can see how that could be a sensual experience for me. And I think the more and more you start connecting with yourself in this way, trying to be like more with your senses, that will invite you to slow down, to hear the innate intelligences and da-da-dee-da-da-da. Something that's coming to mind for me is if I can say, and you can tell me if, you know, if that's how, if it resonates with you, but I would say potentially one of you, Zaina, one of your sensual natures or um, expressions, sensual, is some of the content that you share on your social media where you are nude and um, I feel like it's an interesting moment to bring this up in the conversation because we're taught, we're kind of, I mean, there's so much we can dive deep into sexuality, but as we are sort of like in the balance of talking about both still, and as Tyler's brought up the lens of society and culture and uh, the, the, the subjective objective or, or even objectifying um, something that could be offered as sensual and taken as sexual. So in all of that thought and jumble, like what's, what's going on in your head in regards to when you share uh, a nude photo and do you feel like it's coming from a sensual place and what happens when you get some sort of response that um, maybe potentially sexualizes it? Thoughts on, on that? Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good question. And in a way, it brings culture into it. And I'll tell you why. That's a great segue. I do my intention when I share those photos linking back to my dancing experience. I think the female body is a beautiful piece of art, no matter what it looks like. I really do. And I find the pictures are very tasteful. They're not vulgar, you know. So uh, I, it is how I express my, that's my world sensual expression. Yes, absolutely. And I have no shame about it. And funny of these uh, photos, uh, a member of my family who lives, uh, you know, in the Middle East contacted me and said, like, we're worried about you. We think you've gone crazy. And, and I said, I listened because I knew that it was coming from a really sweet place because I understand the mentality. And then I hung up the phone and all I did was just block all my family that lives there. Why? Because I realized in that moment that they view this expression as sexual and vulgar because of the limited thinking over there. And so to, to, lessen the pain and not put, I'm not trying to put myself in anybody's face. I simply block them. They can find out about me through my Facebook because I keep that pretty clean. And so um, to them, like, I don't even think that my Instagram account is dirty because I use the word clean. I think it's tasteful and beautiful and artistic. And that's how I choose to express myself. And if people have a hard time with that, 
I understand and I respect that and I send love, but that does not mean that I'm going to try to be less of who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's bothered my sisters and I continued being myself. And guess what? They come back because they realize you're the same person and they then understand that this is simply an expression, an expression which is a product of the life that I've had, which has had a lot of, um, you know, sexuality and this this element in it. It's just always been there, it feels, for me. Do you think it's worth sharing for yourself um, any of the, the hardship you've experienced because I know so many people have experienced sensual and sexual adversity and it, it plays an important role in your life um, and many's. So if you'd like yes. to share anything about that, if, if you feel comfortable. It, yeah. It you know, Tyler, I, 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 for a while in my life, I stopped sharing that those pieces because I was like, you know, I don't want to share the horror with you to make you like, Hey, listen, I know how you're feeling. I I don't want to, I, you know, but I have been through, I was molested as a child. I was uh, sodomized when I was 18 years old. And I would say those were the most two significant experiences in my life. And, you know, when I was a kid that happened for years and that changes the way your brain works uh, and changes the way you see the world, you know, this like grooming and I, 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 and I'm not, you know, uh, so I just want to take a moment here to compose myself for a very long time. I looked at these experiences with pain and horror and tears and the inability to express myself Uh, And somehow through uh, being true to myself, doing some inner child work and, you know, sitting with Mother Aya and just dealing with myself, not running away from myself, I've, I've, and maybe you will tell me this is a compensation mechanism, but I no longer see these experiences as um, like a stain. I am who I am today because of the full fabric of my life. And there is no way I can experience beauty and abundance if I don't experience hardship. Some people's hardship is being raped and being in that realm. Some people's hardship is different, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, I, 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 I think the, these hardships that sometimes we're trained in a way to not train, but there's a mentality that once you've had a hardship, like it ruins your life in a way, if you can look at it and take the lesson that is there for you, you, you're, you're, you come out a winner because um, it's life, you know? Thank you so much for sharing that. I know, you know, there's heaviness in that. And like, just from an outsider looking in, um, not having experienced it and what a lot of people hear is like a a hard experience. But what you said in that, how you, how you work with it after and how you approach life with it after is that's, that's the gold. 
that's mm. that's absolutely the gold and without polarity of experience you know do you know as much joy as you know without having experienced the low that you experience i'm not mm. sure yeah no one thing know. that's um i'm curious about is so i feel like in the world right now like we're in a huge transition just as the collective conscious as just culturally globally but also individuals like I, I've been saying like the universe has been sort of like kicking everyone in the butt, like shifting them into a new gear, into a new chapter of life. And so I feel like a lot of people are in transition and some of that transition is coming out of a very hard, challenging time uh, for a variety of reasons for people. So you've, exp- you've expressed some of the hardship that you've experienced. And we are in the midst of talking about what, um, if I can just say positives you've pulled from that, where that's put you today, the, the place that it's put you today, the work that you do because of your experiences, you've really transformed this, this challenging experience into something so beautiful that you can now share and support others in. So what was, what was that transition like for you? First off, how did you, what was the beginning of that shift or, or what tools did you use to transform that hardship into the service you're in now? And through you explaining your personal experience, I wonder if people might get something that they can take and use for themselves. Like I'm in this hard place. What, what can I do? What tools can I gather to really transform this into something positive? Hmm. That's such a beautiful, deep question. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, first off, it's very unique to everybody. Um, but I will say, and I know it sounds so simple, um, but you got to feel something within. You got to really connect with an inner feeling. Like I... Um, you gotta, you gotta really, you know, I want to share like a story, you know, in the midst of like, I was, I used to take a lot of drugs. I was, uh, I was a drug user. I used to take cocaine. I was a heavy drinker. And, and uh, when you're in that space, you're so very completely numb, you know, where, when you're in that space, you, you are really sur- trying to survive one day from the next, right? But you, you do reach a point, you do reach a point where you wake up and you're just in the midst of numbing yourself out. The reason why you numb yourself out is that there's something inside that you just don't understand. You can't get to. So instead, it's easier to numb. And, but it's constantly there. And I know I'm going a little bit all over the place, but I'm going to tune it back. It's constantly there. You might want to edit that part out. No, no, not at all. um, But you reach a point where you realize that all these stories of somebody coming out on a white horse to save your ass out of whatever the fuck you're in is not going to happen because 
really the knight in shining armor is you. Everybody has that moment where you realize that you've been waiting for someone to save you and that someone is never coming to save you, no matter what you're in. And when you feel that, my the tool that I used is go with it, believe it, trust it. When you see that vision and see it collapse, because I did have that vision, you know, to, to be able to stop dancing and stuff. I had that vision. I I remember I, I, I called my boyfriend at the time. I wanted him to come pick me up. He didn't answer. I hung up. I called again. He didn't answer. And the options in my mind, oh, if he didn't answer, I'm going to stay. But part of me was like, you, something is wrong. You need to get the fuck out. You need to end this now. And I remember in that moment, I saw that white and shining armor. And I saw that it's me. I have to do this for myself. Nobody's going to come and save me. So I would say when you have that moment, believe it you know i I, it's um i don't know if i gave solace or a tool for anybody but um it it gets painful enough you gotta you gotta reach your threshold of pain and if you're constantly looking for a savior my words to you is look in the mirror and you might find that savior looking back at you. So that's all I can say, to be honest with you. I don't have, you know, I, uh, Ashley, I love, and I, I feel your support for me. And I've said this to you always. And so, you know, nobody is nobody's savior. You and I connect because there's a resonance. There's a biochemical resonance of some sort. There's karma, right? So for everybody there, their their moment is going to be very different, but there has to be a belief in yourself, it's like you with your business, Tyler, with your business. There's something in you that's driving the boat. And even when we're having a hard time, it's realizing that someone is still driving the boat, but I might have silenced them for so long. So let me hear what they're trying to say. And that just might be the key, but it's listening to your inner inner dwarf, your inner elf, your inner fairy, you know? I love that. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, so woo-woo, but no, it's true. It's, it's so great. And also, I just say, like, you know, I know we say the woo-woo thing, but, you know, hopefully if we just start talking more about our inner fairies, it won't seem so woo-woo and everyone can get on this fairy page. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's the same fairy we all have. It's just this mm-hmm. one consciousness that mm-hmm. we all are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean in the world of spirituality and self-development there's plenty of fucking tools out there right like i mean we could list those for days between all the things that we've tried and implemented and so on and it's not that they're not valuable but what you alluded to was the most important one the, the beginning it's the key that opens up your desire to use the tools which is what what are you referencing that she said she's saying that it's it has to come within you first yeah. that that realization um so the key to opening that entire even ability to use the tools has to start with all right i'm done with suffering and i'm going to do this for myself and here i go and then you know it's all the all the tools that you you want to play with and find what's right for you 
And and you know, Tyler, absolutely. You know, you some you 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 summarize things quite well. You and Ashley have a talent for that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know I mean, what to say to that. I'm just taking it in. Absolutely, you summarize that very well. Yeah, just reflecting the wisdom that I heard back at you. Yeah, reflecting at each other, darling. So. Um... I had a couple other thoughts, but let's dive into the sexuality a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Sexuality. Sex? Yeah. Sexual nature. Strike the pose. I was just listening to Madonna's erotic, erotic. Put your hands all over my... I like that song. <laughs> That's it was good. A, yeah. That also makes me think of the... Um, the social media pages eco erotica that you shared with me where it's like nature that like rocks form in the shape of a penis or whatever. And it's kind of crazy. I'm highly um, offended because I'm pretty sure I shared that with you. No, no, no. Zaina shared that. Oh, with me. I shared, I shared it with that. you. Yeah. Oh, really? You shared, you shared, you for sure shared that with her. Yeah. Yeah. And not, and then she shared it to me. Yeah. Yeah. You sure about that? Yeah, just accept it. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyway, do you follow Procrastination for the Wicked on on uh, Instagram? No, but I look them up. Procrastination for the Wicked. Something like that. I've shared it to our tribe uh, feed before, our tribe mm-hmm. messages, and I, I don't think I got much response. But uh, oh, okay. it's okay. I'll it's just highly up. sexual stuff that you know we'll talk about. Some good later. sex stuff. So, what is your favorite kind of dildo? Hmm. <laughs> what is my favorite kind of dildo, baby? Oh, actually, let me broaden it. What's your favorite kind of um sex toy? Mm. My my favorite sex toy is a real cock. That's definitely my favorite sex toy. I knew you were gonna say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I gotta tell you, nothing beats the real thing, especially if like um you like it and it fits right and it's all the things that you like so I would say that first but in terms of toys I quite I like quite a bit but okay if we hone it in on uh, I like the g-spot uh I have a glass g-spot one that I really quite like uh there's the little bananas that you can get the glass bananas I really like to use glass and not um, latex or the rubbery things. I don't like to use vibrators that go super fast because I feel like if you get used to that vibration, it numbs you to, numbs you out a little, yes? (laughs) I feel like, and I don't know this through experience, but I've, I've considered this and it worries me for women actually. It's like, porn for guys being extremely stimulating like there's so much dopamine that it it just like makes everything super erotic uh and highly stimulating and for me i feel like the vibrators or toys in general that are highly stimulating how would you expect them to not then numb you out for a real cock that doesn't actually vibrate you Mm. know like well mm. what we need to do is develop technology where we can surgically implant a vibrator onto the shaft of the penis um so that, that you are exactly just biologically more inclined to work better for us yep, that's well it, well I, I will i will go on to ashley because like sometimes you do want that extreme sure. 
you know <laughs> so I, I don't want to come yes I don't want to completely throw them out the window but I, I I do think like you said like you know just like porn can be like a a, a fucking rabbit hole that you can go into uh, overuse of vibrators can also be a rabbit hole that you can't come out of because you've numbed yourself to normal stimulation like a regular vibration instead of this like unnatural way of uh, vibrating and to be honest sometimes I find it really I find them really uncomfortable and I, 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 sometimes I'm really surprised like really some women want it to be like it, it, it's intense like it's whoa 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 slow it down mm -hmm. so um thanks for sharing and yes <laughs> what's uh what is your what am I asking what's your feelings around masturbation do you like in in um conjunction with having sex with your partner like frequency all this stuff like have you and also just random thought have you ever masturbated next to your partner um yeah i mean i i have he was sleeping but he knew i was doing it so <laughs> i would say yes um uh, i like masturbating i don't a lot now just because i have a, a play toy that i get to play with whenever i want my partner so um uh, uh, but uh i i enjoy being with myself I enjoy being with myself. It's a very different experience than being with my partner. Um, I think it's important to masturbate for me. I, I do think it's important for everybody because it's especially for women, because it's time for you and time to see what you like as well. You know, like we have had such a severed relationship with our vaginas with our pussy which i like to call it uh we we have said some of us have a severed relation some women don't look at their pussy they don't know what it really looks like or you know and so i think masturbation for women is important i can't speak for men tyler i will leave that to you but for women i think it's important because a you can simply have it as a sensual experience and it doesn't have to you don't have to come but it's also nice to know what stimulation you like as a woman. So, um, uh, yeah, I think masturbation is important for men. I don't, I, I wouldn't know. I can only speak from my own personal experience. So for men, I don't know is, do you find Tyler that masturbation is important? I think intentional masturbation is definitely important. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, <laughs> I definitely have a relationship with masturbation as many men do. And unfortunately, most people, not just men, their initial experiences with masturbation tend to be shameful. Right. Um, and if, if anything is shameful, sexual or not, it is important that you reintegrate that experience into a not shameful experience. Right. So if we carry the most shame in sexual experiences, use those experiences to integrate the shame and release it so. so beautifully said i experienced i have to say that i experienced a lot of that with my partner there are moments when we're in it we're having sex and i feel the story coming up of 
you know, when as a woman, as a woman, when I'm really enjoying and I'm letting myself go and there are stories that sometimes come and if I don't stop myself because it's easy to freeze and work with my partner because my partner now is aware that, oh, Z is going through something, it becomes such a healing experience because that's exactly what I do, Tyler, is that I allow this past experience to surface and instead of experiencing shame, I experience such love and acceptance and I cry often often I ball into tears but it's so releasing and I feel so much lighter after so I love that sexuality conscious you know really being in each other's energy and understanding each other can be such a healing experience for both men and women we can heal so many stories if we're really conscious when we're being with each other and i love what my partner you know i can say jason what who's that guy who's that guy you know i love what jason says is like you know one thing he said once is like you know, have sex as if you're having sex with yourself, which is true. Let yourself be like you're making love to yourself. And there's something really freeing. And ha- for me, my experience, there's something very freeing in having the story that, you know, we're not fucking each other. I'm having sex with myself because he's a reflection of me and I'm a reflection of him. Back to the woo-woo kind of stuff, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can even bring a conversation about dildos back to woo-woo stuff. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah. So have you noticed anything? Well, it's kind of a difficult question, but I would I would like you to al- elaborate a little bit in specifically like how your partner's been there for you to evolve in those sexual experiences. And maybe what that's like been like for him. Uh, I mean, I know the first time it happened, he kind of didn't know what to do. And he was just like, what do you need? Me? He asks me, he asks me, what do you need from me in this moment? I love that question. Hmm. So, and the first time I ever experienced that, we had to stop immediately. And I curled up into a little ball uh, and, and, you know, having, and I, you know, and just being asked, what do you need from me right now? was very helpful and once you develop a relation once we develop that once he had that understanding that that happens with me if i'm to open up um now he facilitates these experiences for me sometimes he can feel i can feel it from him he can sense that the the pain is right there but something unconscious I don't want to go there I'm not going there and he facilitates the experience sometimes by creating the space for me to go in and release so Mm. there it's uh it is an art that you create with one another it really is and it's about learning what to do so for example in those moments if I recall it's sometimes the things that he says like when he feels it, we'll be in the middle of enjoying ourselves and he feels it, he'll hold still and hold me. And I can feel that I'm allowed to go in that space and it feels very, very healing for me. So uh, it's, it, 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 is a, it is this kind of space with your partner is accessible, is um, healing 
and if in my experience really helps to create a beautiful bond not it's not a bond uh, i want to be clear it's not a oh i'm bonding with jason i'm bonding with the male counterpart of what i want in myself if i can be so because i don't want to give him all the power right sure um i wanted to elaborate or kind of talk about you know there's sexological body workers that help people through sexual trauma right um are you familiar with if there are male sexological body workers in, in abundance? And if like, it's even a thing that women are facilitated and help through their sexual experiences through these intentional therapists, because I've heard of it for women helping men and women helping women and tantricas and so on. But I'm not familiar with if that's a thing for male sexological workers and in women male so, so uh, can you explain that to me a little bit so like, yeah what i'm elaborate because the listeners also might not know so uh, can you tell me a little of bit? course so like what i'm thinking about is are there therapists of some sort that are male that help women through the experiences that you're alluding to with your partner uh, to be honest with you, Tyler, that's definitely a thing that we're working on. To be very honest, I, I believe that, you know, in my experience, and I don't know if I'm overshadowing, but uh, he's healing. Like, there's something about him that's really healing. It's not him. It's also, okay, like, us together, the experience. But I, 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 I yeah, as I... I think there is a need for that, you know, because not everybody knows what that looks like and not everybody knows how to hold sacred space for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that women have trauma with men, right? And if we're to heal, if women are to heal the relationship to the masculine, it requires themselves, but it also, in my opinion, requires the sacred masculine, right? And whoever or whatever represents that in your healing journey, in my opinion, would probably benefit you. So whether it's in the form of a partner, a male therapist, a male plant medicine facilitator, whatever it is, there's got to be both sides, that sacred showing up. Absolutely. And the same thing should be made available for men. Totally. who have trauma from women because there's lots of that too that's not talked about but is starting to be talked about you know yes like the whole movement of men don't cry that's bullshit you know <laughs> yeah we could yeah we could talk about that one for a while mm. but it's nice to see it is it's been such a beautiful experience to get to know all of you guys all of these con conscious men you know, like what I love about my experience of Jason is the fact that he does the work. He knows what inner child work is. It's not like, oh, my God, no, like I am too masculine for that. It's so beautiful to have to be experiencing more and more men who are in touch with their sensual natures, you know, and in touch with their soft feminine nature. So I, 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 I hope more and more of that energy is uh encouraged and is uh being nurtured 
So another kind of area that you work in that I want to highlight in the conversation are these energy centers, or as a lot of people know them, the chakra system. And we're talking about, you know, the word shames popped up and, you know, healing sexual trauma, you know, in the space of our partnership and all these things. Um, how can we work with our energy centers or better understand our energy centers to help us in healing sexual traumas? So energy centers, zones, you know, whatever language you're comfortable with, because, you know, some people's chakras like boo-boo stuff. So, you know, zones. And sometimes I simply like to think of it of your, your spine. It houses your whole nervous system. So thinking about that. And um, when you start to learn about these zones in your body and what the, the, the flavor of each is, what's the energy, what's the pulsation of energy that resides there? Because So what's the energetic signature? As we connect with, like, say, like when we start to learn about the chakras and this energetic signature, and you start to connect for yourself, you know, what does it mean for me, the root chakra? How do I feel? How am I grounded in myself? When you start questioning yourself, for me, the chakra system can work as a beautiful uh, way for you to do a self check in with yourself and how you feel, how you feel grounded in your present environment, how you feel connected to your fluid energy, your ability to be flexible in any situation and handle whatever is in how are you connected. So the energy system, the chakras for people who don't know anything about the chakras, when you first come into contact with that, first, it brings a new vocabulary to you. And in bringing new vocabulary to you, naturally, you start to think about these things. They, you know, let's say we're talking about the root chakra, as you've experienced, throughout the week, you start to notice different things about you that are related to that because you're engaged with that material. And then the more and more you keep implementing and engage, the first steps is always engaging with the material to decipher what it means for you. I am a firm believer that any system, yoga, learning about the chakra and kundalini practices, you learn it and in a way, then you sit with it and you see what resonates for you. What is your innateness going to take from that? Like I, I've learned yoga for a very long time. And when people ask me, do you practice yoga? Yes, but when I get on my mat and practice yoga, I'm crying, I'm jumping, I'm doing different things, but it's still yoga because I am with, I am doing, I'm taking the principles of yoga and applying them in that moment. So what, when you learn about the chakras, it becomes almost like a coaching system. You can take these energy signatures and when you're feeling triggered in life, you can go, okay, I'm feeling triggered right now. What is the, the, the how, what am I feeling? Am I feeling like I'm being a victim in this situation? Do I feel like somebody's taking advantage of me? Do I feel like I'm serving everyone around me and I, I nobody is listening to what I have to say? Do I feel like I, I can't speak? 
you start to have this tool of checking in with yourself to first see what is it that I'm feeling? Where is the imbalance in my body? Okay, I feel like nobody's hearing what I have to say. So maybe I'm not Arctic. I check in with my throat. I see where the tightness in my body is. So I didn't answer your question. I talk a lot when I get asked that question and I'm going Mm -hmm. around. Um, How is it a tool for me? It's I check in with myself. Like I said, when I'm being triggered and when I'm feeling very chaotic, it's, I take time to check in with the earth element and feel the stillness and stability in that moment and the security that I have within me. Like I feel secure, even though it's chaotic, then I move into this water element and I reconnect to this knowing that we live in polarity. So even though the situation might feel like it's unbearable, I can bear it because the opposite is right there. And then I move into my will and I remind myself of all the resilient experiences I've had in my life, reminding myself that this is no different. I go into my heart. So that's how I use that system as a check-in, as a as a friend, as a way to understand my energetic body, because I know that my energetic body is way more potent than my physical body. I fucking love it. And (laughs) I also agree with you. Just, I mean, in general, people don't have great connections with their body, let alone the energetic (laughs) frequencies of the regions of our body and what they mean to us on a mental and emotional level. And if the, I mean, this could be done very simply given to people just with a few different characteristics of each zone or area and to, to do the physical and mental checklist with those things regularly or semi-regularly. I'd like to do this with some of my clients if they're willing, it's potent. It's super potent. It's very helpful. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just, reflecting. I, 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 find, I like it a lot. <laughs> I find that the breath, like if someone wants to really kind of also see like the breath, once you have a connection with your breath, right. So, and really feeling where's your breath center, the breath is a good way to start, uh, start the investigation into your energetic body, right. If like really, and just connecting with your body. Cause if you notice Tyler from your work, People who are really disconnected from their body have a hard time breathing, have a hard time, first of all, locating their breath. And once they've located, it's mostly up here. So much tightness down there. So all of our first three lower chakras, there's so much pain. There's so much fear. There's so much insecurity that most of humanity is locked down there. But we are creating the shift. And this is why we see such a big divide looping it back now to present time. Why we see such a divide is that we are, you know, from what I hear from spiritual teachers out there, as a collective, we're moving from lower chakras into upper chakras, and that's painful to move from matter into ether. And that's why sometimes it feels like the outer world is chaotic, is to make that shift. So the breath, you know, I'd ask people to really check in with your breath. How how what is the frequency of how often you check in with your breath a day like people don't check in with their breath and once you check in 
what I find some people, the discomfort of that, it's either two ways. It's either you're, you realize the discomfort and you're willing to do something about it, or unfortunately, you realize the comfort and you'd rather not deal with it. So you're just going to keep things as is. Sometimes. Is that a judgment? Maybe. <laughs> we have them and we can't, you know, we can't not have them. It's, you know, got to own that we have judgments. Um, I wanted to shine light on, again, this course. I feel like we're talking about the energy systems uh, or centers in the body. And that's very much highlighted in the courses that you've designed that are small, intimate community groups. And so uh, I feel like it's a good shift because I would love for you to share the course, the courses that you've created and sort of what you focus on in them. And you can just kind of give, there's so much. um, So you can kind of give high level, uh, you know, what, you know, you work through week to week. And then, um, and I can, I'll remember this question if we, because I know I'm asking you a lot, but I want to talk about your coaching style as well. Okay. So the program that I've put together is an intimate program. And I do always want to keep the containers small because I think intimacy is very important. And in small containers, it's easier to open up. Um, You know, the the overarching umbrella is called Journey Back to Essence. So it's it's a journey back to yourself to remember your divine masculine and feminine, your divine innateness of richness and abundance. How do we do that? We do that through a series of modules, one through five, three and four being run together. Module one is simply creating a connection, creating a connection in a few ways through subtle movements of the body. uh, The exercises that we use in the first container uh, come from uh, Kriya exercises, the Pawa Muktasana series. And it's simply to uh, uh, these exercises facilitate that you sync your breath with the movement. And that, so, you know, we're trying to, again, connect, make that connection between mind, body, and heart. And I find also the most, the juiciest part, which you love the most, is the group discussions, you know? And the way I designed these discussions is I took a lot of the namas and niyamas of yoga, the do's and don'ts, and not saying that there are things that we should and shouldn't do in life. But if we look at the yamas and niyamas, they uh, propose really good questions like, what is your relationship to yourself? Is it violent or is it kind? How truthful are you with yourself? Like, do you do you share your heart completely in a partnership or there are parts of yourself do you hide from the whole world? So the namas and yamas provided us with a really nice uh, place start that journey, the chakras, the energy center, the wheels, uh, to understand, first of all, our connection to, to nature, to understand our connection to what the element of water, earth, fire, and air truly mean, because there's they're rich with meaning, right? Earth, the word earth is rich with meaning. So as we go through 
to container number two, we learn about the archetypes associated with each energy centers. We go through weekly meditations to work with each energy center. And as we were we work through that, we learn in the sacral chakra that there are also two major currents in the body, the manifesting and the liberating current of the body, the Shiva and the Shakti, the male and the female, whatever you want, the sun and the moon, whatever you want to call them. So moving into container two, it's going to be a deeper dive into the divine feminine and the sacred masculine, the liberating and the manifesting, your hot and your cold, your female expression and your masculine expression. It's going to be your, your female movement and your masculine movement, your female breath work versus your masculine breath work. It's going to take us through diving deeper into what these currents and how in our action, what is, what is the action of liberation and manifestation in each? of our lives for obvious reasons and then can, container five is called anchor container three and four is called weave container five is called anchor so once we've learned all of these things in container five we'll hone in on coaching tools that we can use the individual can use to self-regulate, to help your own self when you need it and not always rely on an outside source because you want to anchor in the knowing that all that you need is always inside this thing that you're living in. All the answers, all the solutions are within. So, you know, the purpose of this course is to give you some tools and then surrender you back to yourself, letting you know that I've done, I've taught you what I know and the rest is up to you. Find your God within, find your guru within, find your light, your whatever esoteric uh, term you want to use and live it. And yeah, I mean, I'm halfway through the course uh, course system with you. And so far, it's been quite wonderful. And I love the fact that I, we have this um, intimate community where we kind of connect and reflect at, as a group and open up in this uh, safe space. We also get the movement uh, support from you. And then I also love that we get the one-on-one, uh, at least as it's been, as I've experienced. And I don't know if you'll continue that, but um, so, and we're getting towards the end, but I want to ask your, um, how would you define your coaching style? Jason would be so anti me. I know. Well, that's why I want to There's a reason everyone's different and you know what? That's okay. Because it's like, you know, when people are a little bit more aware of like therapists and psychiatrists, and it's pretty common in that world that people understand you kind of shop for your therapist, like their, their expertise, the way that you jive and and the vibes and the energy between you two is going to be different. So it's okay that there's coaches with different styles. So yeah, there's a reason why I don't call them coaching calls and I call them check-in calls. There's a very distinct reason why I call them check-in calls you know, like, uh, because I'm checking in with you, I'm checking in on how you're doing. And, you know, sometimes a friend needs me to be 
Yes, clients, fine. Sometimes clients need you to be a coach. Sometimes clients need you to be a friend. Sometimes clients need you to be a parent. And sometimes clients need you to just listen to what the fuck they're saying, right? And so as long as I'm not doing all the work, as long as I'm not giving all the insights, but sometimes I feel, and that's my teacher nature, sometimes people are saying the fucking insight to me, but they can't hear themselves. So you know what? I'm going to fucking spell it out for you because you're saying it. You just can't hear yourself. So, you know, and I hear Jason sometimes like, baby, less talking, you're parenting, you know, more asking questions. And I'm like, no, but we were talking about something. And sometimes I want to, I want to take a moment before I say that. I try not to be like, you have to do this. But but like I said, sometimes I am very purposeful when I reflect back what I heard the client or the, 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 the woman say is that I, I, I am very specific to reflect back the understanding that she's not hearing herself. Like I, I, I can, like you, Ashley, you're, you're so good at making connections. And sometimes when I hear you making the connections, it's so helpful for me because I'm like, fuck, that's it. So it's the same thing with me. Sometimes I ask the questions like right now with this uh, lady I'm working with, I only ask her questions. I don't tell her what to, I don't tell her insights because she is so in the victim mentality that she needs to figure it out for herself to have those success experiences. Sometimes the client has success experiences, but they're so boggled by the, they're, they're standing in their own way. And sometimes a little bit of clarification and a little bit of parenting, it's okay. Yeah. And, and I've heard you say as well that um, you don't always go by this coaching rule book. And maybe there's a rebellious nature in you. Maybe that's why we get along because I got that too, girl. But but uh, <laughs> it, it, it gives you the work and the guidance that you provide a different flavor that you're willing to kind of step aside from this rule book that the lifestyle uh, coaches can sometimes stick very closely to, and you're allowing yourself, depending on how you show up in the um, work with your specific one-on-one clients, you're allowing yourself to adjust and shift and, and, and say, sometimes it's okay to be, to play this role and that role and, and it shifts and it changes. And um, so I wanted to definitely give you an opportunity to share, share that about you, because if anyone's looking for someone, they, you know, they might resonate with that. Um, Did you have anything you wanted to ask? Yeah, I'll say in my experience of coaching as well, one, meaning a coach who can adapt to what the the person needs is a great coach and what you're doing in, in adapting. And yeah, I mean, not everybody responds the same way to anything. So why not play with maybe masculine energy in the pre- in their presence, feminine energy in their presence, grandfather, grandmother energy. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that we could bring to the table as a guide. 
I agree. You know, Tyler, like uh, I, I, it's, you know, part of it sometimes is a little bit relying on intuition and what you're feeling from that person. Like I said, like, you know, this one client I'm working with right now, I, I want her I ask her a lot of questions. I love, she needs that. I can tell because when she comes to it, she's just like, and sometimes I, you know, I, 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 I feel like they just need to hear it. They just need to hear. It. And you know what? I'm going to fucking say it. So <laughs> that's why I call them check-in calls because I don't want them to, I don't want them you're right, Ashley. I fucking hate authority. And that's why like, I call it a check-in call so I could <laughs> gear it as to how I see fit. <laughs> I love I love that you said intuition there. Um, because well, in my experience, um, in the world of logic, statistics, and science, intuition is not really acceptable. And I value my intuition a lot. Like I feel like in, as I step in, in, in the, the coaching role, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing all the time. I don't know why a question came up. It just did. And the fact that it did is really amusing to me. It's really curious. So what I'll call that is intuition. I mean, you know, there's a reason I think let's, maybe I'm not going to say I think but maybe there's a reason why the coaching industry is not regulated because it is a, a lot of different flavors you know there might be standards of course there are standards if I was a shitty check-in person I, 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 it would show and you know what I mean so if you're a if you're a really shitty coach or whatever you want to call yourself I mean the way you connect with people will show but if people resonate with you and you have a bit of a different style, I'm just like, it's all right. Yeah. And the market decides that, right. It doesn't need to be of of some power, some governmental regulator. Yeah. The yeah. people, the people yeah. decide on what they value. And I just want to say yeah, to you, you your tribe. Yeah. Something that I value that I've expressed to you in um, working with you one-on-one it, are also the moments where depending on the topic of the conversation, you will share something from your own life, something that's similar and relevant from your own experiences and your own life. And I think that's probably some people would say that's a no, no or whatever, but I find a lot of help in hearing how someone else may work through this or so how someone else may stand up to this type of situation. And I, I love that you are very vulnerable um, in, and it's, it's per, more personable. And that's something that I feel is, um, unique to working with you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Ashley, you are your own, like, you know, you also come with a lot of wisdoms. And so when you share your stories, for example, like right now you're sharing your stories about, you know, starting a small business and how you struggle with, uh, you know, you're starting to create that project. That's how we learn from each other by sharing a little bit about what, what was our struggle. And then others like, oh, okay, so there's a possibility there. It expands other people's perspectives. So I appreciate your, your reflection. Yes. Absolutely. I wanted to segue before we wrap up the call, if you know, and this might 
be a longer conversation, uh, but I thought it would be interesting for you to talk about your relationship dynamic a bit before that person actually joins us on the podcast, if you'd like. Mm. Just mm. you're, you're, and you could share what that's like for you, what it's been like for you. Um, just because it, it is interesting. And just to clarify your question too, on an, on a future episode, we intend to have Zaina and her partner, Jason, join us together. And I, I too wanted to give a little, um, a little teaser for everyone listening to come back and listen to you and your partner again. And so, yeah, we want to know, we want to share. You know, I, uh, I, I, uh, so Jason is married. Uh, I don't know if he's going to say that on the podcast. You, I, I'm sure it's okay. I came into this relationship and, you know, he was in an open relationship. I remember when I first was interested in him in Soltara, when he, when I found out that, you know, he is married, I, I was, I felt like my energy was moving into his, my energy pulled back. But we kept in touch and I opened myself up because I was like, I, there's a part of me that, that said to myself, I heard myself say to myself, Zaina, whatever relationship you're going to be in, it's not going to be a traditional relationship. There's nothing about your life that has been <laughs> traditional. So that's not going to be. So I opened myself to it and uh, I, I opened myself to it. And as I opened myself to it, I started to realize what a grand learning experience this has been to open yourself to be vulnerable and be with someone who is in another relationship. So all of these learned expectations that I grew up learning about of you're with someone and there's all these expectations, none of them were there. He had his family that was his priority. So what happens in these moments when all these uh, unrealistic expectations, to quote uh, Stephen Walensky, he uses that term, they came up, I had to deal with them on my own. So this relationship, allowing myself, opening myself up to be in a partnership uh, where it was open, I was free to be with other men. Uh, has really allowed me to see myself for who I am, uh, to see how my jealousies, to see um, my insecurities. Um, and at the same time, having said that, there was something in me you know, when we first met in Arizona, the first time I saw him after a year of talking online, we met in Arizona. We had a great time, right? But I went to California and I was like, okay, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I had a great time. Okay. Two weeks later, he calls like, I'm coming down. I was like, to San Jose. I was like, okay. And the more I connected with him personally, I was like, okay, something is not okay at home. I can see that. I mean, I can, I can, I just, that was my feeling and I allowed myself to feel and I allowed myself to be open to full heartedly just be with this person. And um, I trusted myself and here we are today. Doesn't mean that we're going to be together forever. Neither I nor him fool ourselves by that. So there's a lot of principles that we both kind of 
agree upon and, and having said that sometimes when he's like well we don't know what the future holds i'm like god damn it that's not what i want to hear in this moment i want to <laughs> hear that right like you feel it inside but at the same time being with someone who does the work and stuff is really helpful to keeping you also doing the work exhausting sometimes i mean i will say exhausting sometimes but it keeps you in check that's, so that's called work <laughs> yeah and and I am very looking forward, you know, I'm going to say it. I am very much looking forward to when we invite, like when we, when I now experience, and I don't know why I'm putting it, you might want to edit that out. But when I, I'm looking forward to experiencing him sensually, sexually with others, it's really strange to have that thought. But I have that thought with him because we came into this partnership, not in a conventional way. And I want to keep our partnership elements of it not conventional. So you're talking about threesomes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what a good cliffhanger. Obviously, we could ask so many more questions. But the point is that, you know, we share that a little bit about that aspect of the life you're currently living and that we get to talk more with you and your partner about that, hopefully very soon. Um, and we have one final question that we like to leave off with. Um, what is a very significant or the most important journey that you've experienced in your lifetime and you're welcome to interpret that however um the most significant you know actually the first thing that came to me as you said that was this now moment that i'm living is the most significant in my life right so i cannot retrospectively go i feel like I'm sure when I was going through something else, that was the most significant moment. But right now, that first thing that came to me is like, my current life is the most significant moment in my life. Ugh, so. That gives me chills. I, as interviewers, we always ask that question. And I love always hearing the variety of answers. And I, what I hear in your answer is, you know, the present moment, the present moment is the most significant. And it's because we're not living in the past. We're not living in the future. We're living in this moment now. And that is the most significant thing. And so that's what I hear from your answer. Yeah. yeah. Um, did anything else you want to add, Tyler? Zaina, thank you so much for sharing your afternoon with us. It is always a joy for us to see your face for us. It's a joy for me to be able to share you with our audience. Um, I find you to be such a unique, a presence like I've not met before. And I hear you in my head right now saying that the light within you is the light within me and, and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, I hear you and I know yes. you're probably getting revved up to say it girl. Yes. But, um, I, so I've really uh, enjoyed um, strengthening our friendship over the last year and so grateful for Jason for pulling you in. Um, so even if you two are not forever, you and I girl, we're forever. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it right now. I hear <laughs> you. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. My, you know, Ashley, my girlfriend relationships are the most precious to me. It, they really are right. Like the sisterhood. I, I, I do love it. And I just want to say, I've loved working with you and getting to know you and experiencing 
you work through your stuff and I've learned so much from you. And I'm so glad that you two have, are doing this podcast. And I hope that you also get a chance to share your wisdoms on this podcast because there's a lot of wisdom in you twos as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Much love. Yeah. Love bye, you. guys. We love you, girl. We love you. Hugs and kisses. Love. <laughs> bye. <laughs>